The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. I'm Dr. Pat. Thank you all for tuning us in and turning us on. Also, welcome to Transformation Talk Radio. And yes, those of you that are listening, you know, every time I say that, I forget to say you probably hear in this show uh, Transformation Talk Radio, either the Dr. Pat Show, but those of you that pick it up from iHeart, uh, Spotify, and other places, you might be hearing it on one of the other channels. This particular show, you might be hearing on our God Talk channel. But whatever it is, it's us to you, bringing you the best in positive, transformative talk radio, celebrating now our 15th year. Uh, And this is no surprise. We have a great lineup for you this week. Uh, Lots going on. Linda did a super, super great job. Uh, And we have somebody new at the board helping us out. Nathan, how are you, Nathan? Doing great. How are you? Oh, good. So you ready for this week with me? Yep. Going to sound a little bit different than Benny today. A little bit. I think you have a little bit deeper voice, maybe. I think you do but I'm not sure. Uh, I, listen, I got a book come across my desk and, and Linda said to me, hey, take a look at this book. Um, you know, I know this is going to be a book that you're going to want to read and more importantly, you're going to want to interview. Uh, you're going to interview Carl, uh, Carl's joining us here today, Carl McCullman. And he is the author of this book, fabulous book. And here it is. The Little Book of Christian Mysticism. And when I got a hold of this book, uh, I thought, okay, let's see. Let's take a look inside. So this is essential wisdom of saints, seers, and sages. And so what Carl has been able to do is pull together over 300 quotations that we can turn to any page in this book And we will get some information perhaps that you need to have for this day. And I was really astonished when I looked at it and I started to go through the quotes, the sayings, whatever you'd like to call them. I was really amazed. You know, one of my favorite authors was in here, Evelyn Underhill. And I thought, oh, I got to read the rest of this. But today's show is to introduce all of you to this book, introduce you to Carl, and introduce you to be reminded of the fact that this is the time for all of us to connect and to tap in to that which we know is not us, that which we know is a higher power, as some of you call it, some of you call call it source energy, whatever you call it. This is a book that taps into, you know, ancient and not so ancient Christian mysticism. And it's so great, so great to have Carl joining us here today as the author of this. Carl, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Pat. It's a privilege to be here. Okay, so I always love to find out more about people that write books like this. And the reason I say that, you're thinking, okay, you know, what does she want to know about me? Here's the thing. You know, I am the, of course, the host of the Dr. Pat Show, but I'm also the owner of TransformationRadio.fm. And when I when I announced what we were building, uh, initially 10 channels, 10 unique channels with 10 different topics, Uh, We now have two of them launched. This year, we will launch another four. Um, When I told the world what we were launching, everybody nodded, and then they saw God Talk Radio. And what was interesting was the different response I got back from that and also the quote that I put out there when I announced the channel. God is either everything or God is nothing. What will you choose? And so today, as a storyteller, as a soul friend, 
you are somebody that has captured some of the most illuminating messages, if I can call them that, uh, of our time to remind us that we don't have to take this journey alone, that, that we can be divinely guided. How did you, Carl, become you? Well, that's a big question. So yeah, I'll, try to, I'll try yeah. to give you the, the 50 cent version. Oh, we and have I'm, an hour. We have an okay. hour. And I, I can skip breaks. So well, go, go well let's, yeah, let's, let's have some fun here. And yeah, first yeah. of all, I want to join you in your love for Evelyn Underhill. Mm-hmm. And my journey into the Christian wisdom tradition or Christian mysticism, however you want to frame it, mm-hmm. really began with this wonderful British 20th century wisdom teacher, Evelyn Underhill. I am, when I was right after I graduated from high school, so this was, you know, a few years back, I had a dream about the world coming to an end. Mm. And it was, you know, you could say, well, you just graduated from high school, getting ready to move away from home to go to college for the first time. Of course, my world was coming to an end. But, you know, I was kind of a shy, introverted little 18-year-old, and I wasn't savvy enough to see it in that way. So it kind of rocked my world a little. And I, I turned to a friend of mine who was a few years older, maybe a few years wiser, and shared this dream. And, you know, it's just kind of what was going on in my heart. And this older friend said, I have a book that you need to read. Yeah. And, and, and he gave me Evelyn Underhill's book, which came out in 1911. It was called yep. Mysticism, a study in the nature and development of spiritual consciousness. Yes. And, yes. And I started reading that book and talk about a book that rocked my world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I grew up in a very nice kind of middle-class, American middle-class family in the 60s and 70s. We were Lutherans, so we were, we were churchgoers. So, you know, going to church was part of my life. But I, I think like so many people, religion was more knowing about God rather than an initiation into knowing God. Mm-hmm. And so I... For me, reading reading Evelyn Underhill, and she just talks about how there is this lineage, this wisdom tradition that goes back centuries, and that is just, you know, men and women who have so deeply fallen in love with with the God who is not just up in heaven, but the mm-hmm. God who who radiates from our hearts. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, so like I said, this book just rocked my world. And I think like so many young people of the day, you know, I was interested in Eastern spirituality, Buddhism and Hinduism and those yeah. kinds of things. And I still am. I still yeah. love all the wisdom traditions of the world. But, uh, but there was something really meaningful for me to discover that, yes, this, this, this path that I grew up in has its own mystical wisdom. So I just became a student of it. And, um, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with Anne Lamott, amazing, mm-hmm. amazing writer. She, I heard a, a talk she gave a few years back on public radio, and she said, my advice to writers, write the book you wish you could have read. Yeah. Write the book you wish you could have read. And that was really good advice to me. And so I, I sat and thought about it, reflected, meditated a little bit. And I realized, you know, and this was in, you know, like around 27 or so, 10 or 11 years ago. And I thought, the book I wish I could read would be if Evelyn Underhill's book uh-huh. had been published today. Yeah. You know, because her book is wonderful, but it is a little, you know, it's a little aged. It shows its age. Yeah. It's over 100 yeah. years old now. So, and so oh. I worked on this book for three years and it was by the grace of God, it was published in 2010 and it was called The Big Book of Christian Mysticism. <laughs> so, um, and it's, a, it's just, again, it's a book about the wisdom tradition that is, is native to, to the Christian world. And, um, and so that just, it, and it opened up some doors for me, helped me to connect with a lot of interesting people and of course do, do some great work. I, I have been, for years now, I've been a student of Trappist monks. I'm sure people might be familiar with Thomas Merton or Thomas. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. So I've, I've been studying with the Trappist here in Georgia where I live. And, and just, you know, all along, just the idea that it would be fun to do another book where I could just showcase the mystics and let them speak for themselves. Yeah, and so, wow. you know, my editor said to me a couple of years after the first book came out, he said, you know, we need to do another one. 
And and he said, so you've done the big book now. How about the little book? So <laughs> and so here it is. Oh, I I want to call it the little big book, though, if I may. <laughs> I would call it the little big book because there's not very much that's little about this, except perhaps for I don't know the pages or you know maybe the fact that there's beautiful white space on it. Um, powerful is is perhaps a great way to describe what you've selected to go in this book. Because, you know, I'm kind of like you. I, I often wonder how a book, you know, like uh, that's called mysticism or practical mysticism ends up in my life, you know, with my background growing up, Catholic and Southern Baptist at the same time. And then, of course, like you, I ventured out a little bit. But they do show up, and I think they show up, and we're going to talk about this today, because of what you say here, essential wisdom, essential wisdom. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk with Carl about what this essential wisdom is, but we're going to take a dive into this idea of Christian mysticism. You know, what exactly is it, and what is it about the messages in this book no matter what page you go to, it doesn't matter what page you go to, there is something here for you. And if you're like me, you can't just get through reading the message once. You probably have to go through and read it again. When we come back, we're going to talk about what this essential wisdom is and how does it help us get through the maze that we call our life in contemporary times today. Stay tuned, everybody. We'll be right back. Stay juicy. Tune in to Your Juicy Love with me, Una Drake, co-hosting monthly with Dr. Pat and every second Monday at 12 p.m. on Transformation Talk Radio. My show, Your Juicy Love, helps you find the dynamic, life-affirming love you've always wanted. Transform your relationships and bring peace, joy, and juicy, juicy love to planet Earth. For more information, visit unadrake.com. Tune in to the hit show, Raging Skillet Radio, mouthing off with Chef Rossi. Chef Rossi mouths off about different subjects in pursuit of breaking down walls and opening up your minds. She and Dr. Pat banter back and forth, taking from the headlines of the day on subjects that reach beyond what goes on in the world into your hearts. And go to theragingskillet.com to find out more and let Chef Rossi know what's on your mind. This is Debbie Pokornik with a moment for standing in your power. Self-control begins with noticing how different feelings present themselves in your body. When you're feeling sensitive, for example, your chin might quiver, tears might well up in your eyes, and your voice might catch in your throat. Anger, on the other hand, might appear as tension in your jaw, back, or arms, along with clenched fists, heat in the upper torso, scowling, and a strong desire to yell. The more aware you become of your body cues, the easier it will be to recognize when you're on the road to disaster. Choose the emotions that cause you problems, then start noticing and logging the body cues that come with them. For information and to work with Debbie, visit EmpoweringNRG.com. That's EmpoweringNRG.com. Winning at the game of money. Lynn Brown is now offering Full Spectrum Finance, a progressive 12-month program that will help you to navigate through the mechanics of financial expansion. Finally, a financial planner who looks at the full spectrum of money and abundance, engage you in the mental, physical, and energetic aspects of finance. This is Full Spectrum Finance. Are you ready to get into it? For more information, go to fullspectrumfinance.com. Tune in to Mainstream Metaphysics Radio to harness your connection with the universe to affect change for optimal success and happiness. 
became one of the country's top psychics, Eve now brings her insights and gifts to this weekly hit call-in show, joined by visionaries, leaders, and gifted others, but mostly you. Jot it down, Thursdays, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. What a great conversation here today with Carl. Um, And we're going to take you on a journey, if we could. Um, We were talking during the break of, at least me, it's like, how does this girl from the Bronx get her hands on mysticism, uh, you know, by Underwood or anything by, uh, you know, Emma Curtis Hopkins or uh, somebody like Emmett Fox. I mean, how does any of that end up in my hands? But, you know, Carl, it's not how it ends up in our hands. It does end up in our hands Mm -hmm. because I think we're meant to go on a journey. And I wanted to ask you this. Here we are, mysticism. We're talking about it now. I think it is one of the most misunderstood or shall I say least understood words. Can you talk about that for a minute and the difference between mysticism and Christian mysticism? Sure. Well, um, you know, and our friend Evelyn Underhill a hundred years ago, she talked even then about how this word means so many different things to many different people. It's a word like, it's a word like love or like justice, you know, there there's different shades of meaning and how do we find kind of the heart or the center of it. Mm-hmm. And so I like to go back to the root of a word. And so the word mysticism comes from the same Greek word that we get mystery and also that we get mute, like the mute button on our, on our cell phone or on our TV remote. So it has something to do with silence. And it has something to do with the mystery with a capital M. Once again, the divine spirit, God, you know, they're, they're different names because it's ultimately beyond all names. And so this mystery calls us into a place that we can't put into words. And I think that's where the silence piece comes in. Mm-hmm. And, and one thing that I think is, is so important is that the mystical wisdoms of the world all call us into meditation and they all call us into contemplation and they all call us into silence. And it's like one of, one of the great teachers of the West, and we don't know the person's name, but they wrote a book called The Cloud of Unknowing. Mm. They say, God can never be fully known, right. but God can be fully loved. Mm. And, and so, you know, so mysticism represents this kind of sinking from the head into the heart so that the heart center becomes the point of contact. And, and truly, you know, God is already there. This is the thing. I think we, we oftentimes get this kind of idea, this notion that God is way out there somewhere. And yet the mystics all point us, you know, inquire within. That's their motto, you know, this, yeah. this point at the heart. So to briefly talk about the difference between mysticism in a general sense and Christian mysticism, mysticism is a word like yoga, or meditation, <laughs> you know, there, there are a number of things that are universal. You know, you, they, you, can, you, can be, you can be a Muslim and practice yoga. You can be a Christian and practice yoga, a Jew and practice yoga. Yoga may have its roots in the Hindu world, but it has become a global universal practice. Same thing with meditation. And so, so mysticism appears in all of the world's wisdom traditions. Now, it, it takes different shapes and forms because there are different cultures and maybe different stories, you know, different, different teachings. But the heart is always the same. And that heart is that, that silent place where, where light and darkness kind of are not two. It's a place of deep non-duality. And it's a place where me and God are not two. And it's a place where me and you are not two. So it's a place of deep union and I should also mention deep transformation and deep joy. Yeah, you know, I love this. Um, I remember at first reading, um, and I think I, I think it was in Evelyn's book uh, of her reference 
uh, when she talked about mysticism, her reference to Walt Whitman. And, uh, and, and right away, I didn't know Walt Whitman what. And I grabbed Walt Whitman and I started to look at Leaves of Grass, which is a very big, big book. But there was one verse in Leaves of Grass that that was just so beautiful. And, you know, it kind of ties it back together uh, for me. You know, there's a practical nature to this that she talks about and also that you reference by what you've selected for your book. And it's this notion of dismiss whatever insults your soul. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was thinking about this as I was going through your book for today. Uh, and, And I was thinking about how so many people in the day and age we live in are really concerned, confused. And yet, if they could just stop for a moment, open any page of your book, doesn't matter what it is, and take a moment to just stop and read and and take in just five lines, maybe, five lines in your book that have something important. Like today, I opened up the book from Isaac the Syrian, and I, I opened up and it says, be at peace with your own soul, then heaven and earth will be at peace with you. Eagerly enter into the treasure house that is within you, and so you will see the things that are in heaven, for there is but one single entry to them both. The ladder that leads to the kingdom is hidden within your soul. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, man, that is really powerful. <laughs> we we could... That could be the whole book right there. Yes, you know, it could. You could you could spend I don't know how long the rest of your life maybe just really reflecting on that and reflecting on what it means to to receive that one jewel of wisdom from this this bishop in in what is modern day Syria from 1300 years ago, you know, and those are the jewels that are hidden throughout our history. That that oftentimes we just you know we just aren't uh, we we aren't aware that this wisdom is right there at our fingertips. So part of the reason why I, I wanted to do this book was to introduce people to some of these amazing wisdom teachers and 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 the insights that they have for us. Um, you know, I, for for many folks, they may not have heard of. Uh, uh, they may not have heard of many of the people in this book. So really what it does is it opens a doorway for folks to say, yeah, now there's Google. You know, when you get the copy of the book, then what you could do is say, wait a minute, let me find out more about Underhill. Or maybe right. let's, you know, let's take a look at, you know, Isaac, the Syrian maybe, or uh, some of the others in the book. It, it makes you want to find out more about more, right? Well, and, and you know, the, the mystics, they're almost like poets, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I love poetry. And of course, the thing about loving poetry is I could spend my whole day just reading poetry. And there's <laughs> so, I was, I was just in, you mentioned being from the Bronx. I was just yeah. in Manha- Manhattan over the weekend. I was teaching at the New York Open Center. Uh, shout out to them. And I'm going to make another shout out to the Strand Bookstore in Manhattan. Yeah. And I, I all, whenever I'm in, in New York, I always try to stop by there because they have a whole wall of poetry, which uh, I just, it's like a kid in a candy store, you know? And, um, and so, but, but what, do, what, and poets and mystics, you know, a lot of the mystics were poets. It's interesting that I went there. And I think it's because poetry is like mysticism in that it's language that invites us beyond language, words that invite us beyond words. You know, poetry invites us back into our senses, back into our body, back into the wisdom of our heart, into the, the wisdom of deep intuition. And this is something that, that, that I think the mystics also remind us, is that everything we need is already in our hearts. Mm. It's already encoded in our bodies, in our DNA. And, you know, and I don't know, you know, if you're like <laughs> me or not, but I'm the kind of guy who I'm kind of a slow learner, you know, and I kind oh, of, I am too. I kind of klutz my way through life. And so, you know, so I'm so glad that we have these amazing wisdom teachers and not just in the Christian tradition. I want to be real clear about mm-hmm. that. You know, there, there are great 
Buddhist teachers and Sufi masters and Kabbalists. And, you know, the world is just filled with these amazing teachers. But this particular book is shining a light on one tradition that often people don't realize that it has its own wisdom lineage too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then we can turn to these people. And like you say, you know, it's just find, you know, find a sentence or a paragraph from one of their writings from, you know, 500 years ago. And you read it and it's just like, you know, suddenly you're, you're transformed. You're just brought into this more, you know, expanded consciousness. And that's, you know, that's really, really exciting. And then, you know, and I know this is something that's important for you and your work. Then we bring it back into our lives, Mm -hmm. you know. Oh yeah, you have to. we, We can live from a place, from a higher consciousness. We can live from a consciousness that is anchored in compassion and wisdom and, and relationship and kindness. And, and that, you know, that when, when, we, when we find that, that, that royal throne in our heart and we live from there, everything changes. You know, and that's not to say there's no more suffering. I mean, life has its ups and downs. But even when we come into the hard places, we come in from a place of deep joy and deep trust and, and, and the ability to bring light into, into the darkest corners. Yeah, so. and you know, I think this is what I want to talk about when we come back from break. Um, for me, I look back at, you know, my early childhood and what I was exposed to, um, both in Catholicism and Christianity, uh, you know, in the Southern Baptist Church. And I look at the evolution now of what I believe and how I believe and how I've opened up to many traditions. But the one thing I have noticed across the board that has changed in my life, and I want to talk about this when we come back, there's this, just like our network, there's this new positivity to spiritual practice. It's a new positivity, and especially in Christian mysticism and in some of the Christian traditions. You know, so much so that, you know, out there in the world, some of the, the, the Christian pastors that are out there now on TV are, are actually mistaken for not actually being Christian. When we come back, <laughs> we're going to talk about how that is, they, they are actually, Joel Osteen for years was thought to be a new thought minister. When we come back, we're going to talk about this idea of all being universal. And Carl's going to share a few of his favorites with us, and I've got a few of mine. How did Meister Eckhart get in here? I'm going to ask Carl. <laughs> Stay tuned. We'll be right back. <laughs> Take your own journey with the angels with Claire Candyhoff's Heaven Sent Guided Angel Meditation CD. Letting go of concerns and living in the now. This beautiful CD walks listeners through practical exercises to help free them from the burdens, worries, and concerns of daily life. Walking a quarter of the way across the bridge, you see a bright emerald green light and sense a loving presence. This is Archangel Raphael's green healing energies nourishing and revitalizing you take a moment now to bathe in this green healing light giving you much more than just relaxation and stress release this wonderfully narrated cd provides vivid visualization soothing and inspiring music and an angel's choir that will bring you peace clarity and a newfound awareness visit angelhealinghouse.com today Interested in deepening your spiritual practice? The School for Esoteric Studies offers online training to spiritual seekers from all paths of life and individual coaching. Our courses synthesize Eastern and Western spiritual traditions based on meditation, study, and service applied to everyday life. To learn more about our courses and services, please visit www.esotericstudies.net. Finding success and putting minds to work. With the Higher Learners Career and Leadership Series, Rudy Racine will help you craft your personal definition of success, offering support and guidance as you move forward towards your goals. Take the leap. With the right mix of focus and motivation, anything can be achieved. 
Tune in every first and third Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 Eastern. And for more information on Rudy Racine and Higher Learners, visit Rudy's site at higherlearners.com. That's H-I-R-E learners.com. Knowledge Book Radio with Marge Potasik has a special gift for everyone out there. To receive three chapters of the Knowledge Book as a special gift, send your email to mmjp99 at gmail.com. That's Amazon Mary, Amazon Mary, JP99 at gmail.com now to receive this fabulous, fabulous gift of the Knowledge Book. To find answers to life's questions, you need to look within yourself. Dr. Glenna Rice brings your questionable conversations on Transformation Talk Radio each month. Tune in each month for insight into how you can live up to your full potential. Dr. Glenna is a physical therapist, certified access consciousness, and access body class facilitator. How does it get any better than this? For more information on Dr. Glenna Rice and her work, visit GlennaRice.com. Hey, everybody, uh, you know, listen, you have any questions for us, give us a call 1-800-930-2819. Or you could also go to the Dr. Pat show and please ask your question. We'll get your question on here for Carl. Carl, um, how can people, one, find out more about you, but also how can they get their own copy of the book? Well, the book is available through, you know, all the major online retailers and 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 local bookstores as well. You know, I I strongly support supporting your neighborhood bookstore, but you can also get it through Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, and so forth. Uh, you can also order books through my personal website and connect with me. It's carlmccolman.com. That's C A R L M C C O L M A N dot com. And, and from there, you can also connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, you know, the, the, the usual suspects. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, listen, do you still have a po- your podcast? I know at yes. one point you had a podcast. Yes. Yeah, so well, it's actually, it's relatively new. We've only been doing it for about four months now, but I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a, a team of three people who are doing a podcast called Encountering Silence, silence, encountering yeah. silence, and it's and it obviously we do look at the mystical dimension of silence, but it's also looking at poetry and art and and health and psychology, you know. So it's a more holistic approach. EncounteringSilence.com, but again, it's available through Google Play or Apple Podcasts, you know, any of the regular mm-hmm. podcast sources. Yeah. So. Nathan, I'm going to give you a challenge to find "Sounds of Silence" by Simon and Garfunkel. Uh, for our break. Um, Okay, two questions for you, right? Mm -hmm. One, I kind of jokingly said before break, how did did Meister Eckert end up in this book? Well, actually, that's, there's a reason. But Uh most importantly, you know, you've selected these. So obviously, some of these call to you more than others. I can't imagine how you selected these. You know what I mean? How mm-hmm. did you actually just limit it to these? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I'm like, that, that's, yeah. that was the harder, the harder task. Um, I, I wrote a book uh, that came out, I guess, last year, two years ago, called Christian Mystics, 108 Seers, Saints, and Sages. So it's also, you know, it's, that's a book. It's kind of like Butler's Lives of the Saints. This is Carl's stories of the mystics. And, and I, I limited it to 108 and there were almost as many that didn't get in the book as did. I could probably do a volume two at some point if I wanted to, but, um, you know, so there's, there's, there are, you know, these amazing, amazing, um, you know, voices throughout the tradition, including some people that are still alive. You know, it's not just, this isn't just a museum piece, but to answer your question, you know, I, I followed my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's certain, certain people whose, 
whose works I really love, uh, Julian of Norwich, Evelyn Underhill, of course, Bernard of Clairvaux, mm-hmm. uh, Teresa of Avila, John of the Cross. And I know some of these names may not be household names, but boy, you know, you start, especially if you're interested in, in consciousness and wisdom, you start reading these folks and you're, you know, it's just amazing. So, so, so obviously I kind of focused on some of my favorites. And then with the others, just, you know, doing a little bit of research, doing a lot of reading, you know, doing some searching online. And, and just looking for those, those jewels, you know, those diamond quotations that just, you know, just lit up the page. And whenever I ran across something like that, I just tried to include it. And the book, I should mention, the book is, is organized in a way to induct the reader throughout kind of the ordinary process of mystical formation, at least in, a, in the Christian tradition. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so it begins with longing, you know, our hearts long for the divine, for holy, for God. I think it was Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And so, you know, so, so it starts in that place of longing and takes us all the way through to the place of, of complete union. And of course, the joke is, maybe it's not a joke, but the, the, the punchline is that the union was there all along, but but we 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 forget or we 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 miss it, and so all of the mystics are just pointing us back, you know, to this to this. So so at any rate, I don't know if that. No, your I get remarks. yeah, I get what you're saying because you know this is really um, as I mentioned earlier, we are talking about the journey, and life is a journey, and I think often we we don't stop long enough to get a reminder about what the promises really are. Because, you know, I think I asked you a question um, before the break where I said, you know, what has changed? What has changed in the view of Christian mysticism uh, that you can tell in the past 50, 60 years? Have you seen a change? Uh, and, And if so, what would you attribute it to? Well, yes, there, there definitely has been a change. And I think that probably the single most positive thing has been the emergence of the global village and the fact mm-hmm. that, that you know, we live in the age of the internet, we live in the age of the jet airline, and you can get anywhere in the world in 12 to 24 hours, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, through Skype. I mean, here you and I are Skyping or, you know, or yeah. just pick up your iPhone and you can talk all over the world. And, um, and I think the fact that, you know, and, and I don't want to get into a lot of the history, but, uh-huh. but Christianity as a religion really lost its, its own mystical heart for a mm-hmm. number of centuries. And, and yeah. there, is, there is some history, history to this. But, um, but it, it's, you know, I think a lot of people, maybe a lot of your listeners, oftentimes the experience of growing up in a church is that, okay, the message is be, be a good boy, be a good girl, and then you get to go to heaven after you die. Huh. But it's like there's not a lot of meat on the bones, you know? And, um, and it's like, is this all there is? And I think this yeah. is why many people leave Christianity and then they go and they embrace, you know, Buddhism or Sufism or, you mm-hmm. know, some of, some of the other, you know, more kind of vibrant mystical traditions or wisdom traditions that are out there. But in the meantime, I think that, you know, and this is this is very interesting. And it, it, <laughs> that that the Christians, as Christians began to encounter Buddhists and yogis and and mm-hmm. Sufi masters and some of these these wisdom lineage holders from other traditions, they often would say to the Christians, "You need to go back and uncover your own heritage." Um, one of my teachers was an Episcopal priest who studied for several months with, with a Tibetan Buddhist uh, uh, priest. And then he wanted to leave the Episcopal priesthood and just become a Buddhist. And the, the Buddhist priest wouldn't let him. <laughs> the Buddhist priest said, no, you are already a priest. You are a priest of Christ. I am a yeah. priest of Buddha. We are brother priests. He said, but you need to go back and find the treasure that's been hidden. And so... You know, you mentioned, you know, Emma Hopkins, Evelyn Underhill, Thomas Merton, you know, there's, there's there's a Teilhard de Chardin. There's a number of these figures and and they're across, they're across all the paths, Catholic, Orthodox, Protestant, Evangelical, New Thought. You find them throughout, throughout the Christian world that are just, I think, 
just do you know we're doing that work or began doing that work you know looking back okay what was happening 500 years ago 1000 years ago 1500 years ago and then finding this wisdom it's been there all along but it's like it's been hidden and so i think the last 50 or 60 years has represented what i would say mysticism or 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 deep spirituality has has been sprung free from the convents and the monasteries, where at least in the Catholic and the mm-hmm. Orthodox world, it kind of was locked up for centuries, and now it's it's in the air. You know, it's it's on the web. It's you know, so many churches. You go to the churches and they have yoga classes, they have Zen classes, they have centering prayer classes. You know, it's like your local neighborhood churches are becoming spirituality centers, and. Um, and it's just, you know, even 30 years ago, that was really unusual. And it's becoming more and more the norm, you know, and not yeah. just in the big cities, not just in L.A. and San Francisco and, and yeah. New York. You know, it's happening yeah. everywhere. And, and, and I, you know, it's, it's the movement of the spirit. It's the movement of, of grace and love with a capital G and a capital L. But I really do think that East-West encounter was the spark that lit the flame. Yeah. And you know what I love about this, too, is when we look at this, there is an openness now that we're all seeing that is represented, I think, of the younger generations of people coming through. And what I mean by that is a guy like Osteen, Joel Osteen, for example, one example down in Texas, you know, the whole thing, Houston gets flooded out. And what does he do? He opens up his church for people in the Jewish tradition to come in, you know, because their temples flooded to come in and do their services there. Now, see, for me, that's something that is like breathing for him. If Mm -hmm. you go back in time, there wasn't quite that kind, my knowledge of, there wasn't quite that. You know what I mean? And this is something we're seeing. We're seeing cross movement in spiritual traditions. You know, I, I want to ask you this question. Uh, we have we have a new pope, not so new, but we have a new pope. Years now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Pope not Francis, so new, yeah. right? I mean, you know, he's not five, he's not five like, years, five years now, but yeah, he's yeah, he's the yeah. latest guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's the latest guy. Some people say he's the greatest guy. And I want to <laughs> ask you. What is it about, oh, I shouldn't be talking about the Pope-like guy, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> it's okay. It's you okay. know, this is my, my, my old Catholic tradition. Uh, but they are looking at him kind of the way that they look at the Dalai Lama. You know the Dalai Lama is somebody special, even if you don't know. I mean, you put the Dalai Lama in the largest uh, baseball stadium in the world, and it's filled. Yeah, yeah. And They're looking at him too, in yeah. the same way. I, I'd love to know from your perspective why you think that is. Well, um, you know, I think that uh, Pope Francis is is the real deal. You know, in mm-hmm. fact, there has been a lot of um, a lot of people writing about, you know, looking at his writings and his interviews, and the general consensus is that this guy, you know, is is a true mystic. He is somebody who is truly in touch. With, with the presence of, of, of divine love, the, the, the Holy Spirit, however you want to frame it, in his own heart. And, and like all true mystics, then he just wants to give it away, you know, and, and, and he's, just, he's just got, he's got a heart that's as big as the planet. You know, he's got a heart for the poor. He's got a heart for, for the disabled. He's got a heart for Muslims. He's got a heart for you know, for gays and lesbians, he's got a heart for everybody. And, you know, and there are a lot of the old guard that are kind of freaked out about this. It's like, whoa, you know, I thought we were all about the rules and, you know, and he, and and I don't think he's anti-rules, but I think he understands that love always comes first. And, and that's, you know, to me, that's the exciting message. And I think this is, you know, when you talk about these, these great leaders that, that don't fit into any one box, that's what they all have in common is that they're all motivated by love, you know, mm-hmm. and then you, you talk about the young people, you know, and, and they're, you know, a lot of young people are just not interested in institutional religion. You know, they, they, they say I'm spiritual, but not religious, you know, I'm, I'm spiritually independent. You know, there are different ways that they might, they might identify themselves. And I think that what you've got there is not a rejection of religion so much as an embracing of spirituality. 
and that it's just just this recognition is that when we move into the realm of deep spirituality, you know, most of the containers just aren't big enough, mm. you know. And so, um, you know, so it's like, yeah, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm interested in the Dalai Lama. I'm interested in Pope Francis. I want to learn from all these different teachers who have so much wisdom. Now, I'm a little bit of an old-fashioned guy in that mm-hmm. I, I think the container still has its place. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so I, I still kind of, you know, am laboring in the vineyard. But, um, but, I, but I think that, you know, and if you want to talk about like institutional religion, I think institutional religion is going through a very deep transformation right now. There was, there was a writer, she died a couple of years ago. Her name was Phyllis Tickle. And she wrote this amazing book called The Great Emergence. And it was about Christianity. But she said, if you look at history, Christianity has a transformation every 500 years. Mm. First you had Jesus and then 500 years later you had St. Benedict and you had the emergence of the monastic and I should say the mystical tradition. Mm -hmm. Then in in the year 1000, you have the split between Orthodox and Catholic. And in the year 1500, you have the split between Catholic and Protestant. Yeah. So, so, so we're due, you know, Mm -hmm. it's time for the next transformation. And, and I think we're, we're, I, and I think we're just seeing the beginnings of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I agree. That, that I it's, agree. You know, it's the, we, we have not even begun to imagine the amazing transformation, not only of, of individual consciousness, but of collective consciousness that I think, I think is going to be happening. And so it's, a, it's an exciting time to be alive. And it's an exciting time to be somebody who is committed to the conscious evolution of our own individual spirit and then to bring that out into, into the public sphere. It's like, how can I be of service to humanity at large? It's a very exciting question. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I love the way that you're talking about that because I think you're right. We're going through an evolution uh, at many, many levels. I mean, it's not just from, um, you know, the position of Christianity, but what was once known, and I put this in quotes, as new thought uh, churches and centers they are and have moved back towards a center point. And what I mean by that is you'll hear conversations about the Bible. You'll hear conversations about Jesus. You'll hear sermons about different things. So, you know, there's this movement that's happening that represents in my mind harmony, a harmony. Yes, yes, yes. Right? Mm -hmm. And I, I couldn't think of another word. I was reading one of the quotes in, in, in the book, and I can't remember exactly who it was, um, maybe Edith Stein. And, you, you know, I think the quote talks about, um, you know, the spiritual vision getting clearer. And I think that's what we're seeing. We're seeing um, people wanting and longing for a connection that they're not getting on their cell phone. A yes, connection yes, that they're yes, not yes. getting on their iPad, uh, iPod, or whatever and, it is, I anything. Social media and smartphones and all that—they they have their function. I'm not I'm not anti-technology, but I think you're right that that it's a limited function, and that you know we we need we need human touch, we need contact, we need fellowship, we need we need love and kindness and tenderness, we need community. You know, and and I think that our culture kind of lost its way for a while in terms of of community, and 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 I think there there's still some 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 work to be done. But but like you, I think there's also a lot of really positive signs out there. You know, and I'm very very impressed with young people and with their their hunger for meaningful connection, and 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 also for for connection that that makes a difference. You know, that it's not just I want to get together with people who look like me and think like me and we can Mm -hmm. all be in a little clubhouse, but it's more, I want to reach out. I want to reach out to people who don't look like me, people of different gender or different orientation or different ethnicity, you know, speak different languages or follow different paths. And, um, you know, and it's just exciting to watch and to see how, how people are building new forms of community. So, you know, It's and, and you know one of the things that I should also mention and, and sure. you, you're probably just picking this up, but I think that if you really immerse yourself into the wisdom of the Christian mystics, you become profoundly optimistic. You, yeah, you know, that's hope, what I was trying to say before. Yeah, 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not to say that there isn't work to be done. You know, life has its challenges, but, but you face all the, the challenges in your life, whether they're personal challenges or even the big challenges, you know, like global warming and that kind of thing. But we face the challenges out of this deep center of, of faith and trust and hope. And that makes all the difference. You know, then, then it becomes an adventure. You know, gee, well, we can really make a difference here. You know? Exactly. And I think that's for me when I sit back and I look at, you know, being around here a few decades, one of the things I know, I know that I have experienced in my own life is going from fire and brimstone, part of my early childhood, now to living the promises. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there's so many of them. You know, I, we're, we're being reminded that these promises have been made and all we have to do is ask or we have to contemplate, or we have to focus, whatever the language is. Um, Carl, thank you so much for today. One more time, how can we get a copy of the book? Um, And also, uh, please, let's have your website. And then I'd love to know what your personal message is. Yeah. Well, you can find my books through my website or through all of the major online retailers or your local bookstore. My website, www.carlmccolman, that's C-A-R-L-M-C-C-O-L-M-A-N.com. And for my, my personal message, I'm just going to borrow a line from one of my favorite mystics. And this was a woman who lived in the 14th century. Her name was Julian of Norwich. And she said, the fullness of joy is to behold God in all. The mm. fullness of joy is to behold God in all. And I believe that when we step into that wisdom, literally everything changes and everything becomes possible. Mm. And uh, thank you for this. And also, um, uh, Carl, thank you for including in the book um, sort of a a glossary or appendix, so to speak, of the people that you've put in the book, as well as some of the the readings um, that you have. What's next on the horizon for you? Well, uh, my next book will be out this fall, and it's an invitation to Celtic wisdom. Mm. And and I'm working on another one, so you know <laughs> it, it it never stops. I, I I travel usually just one weekend a month because I I also work in my 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 church community here in, mm-hmm. in Georgia. And of course, I'm writing and blogging and I'm doing my podcast. So you can always find me online. Uh, I'd love to. Thank you so much. Thank you for all that you're doing. And the book is The Little Book of Christian Mysticism, Essential Wisdom of Saints, Seers, and Sages. It's fabulous. We're going to take a short break, everyone. We will be right back. 